0: Welcome to Tales from the Bay. Playoffs are upon us. Super wild card weekend, not far away. And the best part is, is that we get to enjoy the 49ers playing in the opening game of the weekend. We get through the Seahawks game and then we can either wallow for the rest of the weekend or enjoy the rest of the football. We very much hope it's the latter. And I think, believe it's the latter uh, as well. Uh, Will Gavin alongside me, Nicholas McGee, brilliant writer and 49ers fan here in the UK. Nicholas, how are we feeling ahead of the weekend?
1: Yeah, pretty. I'm pretty amped up at getting there. I've, uh, some, the thing with the playoffs is you kind of go over the matchup in your head 17 times and find reasons to be fearful and reasons to be excited. And the more I think about it, the more I, I find reason to be excited, even though there's the looming spectre of some bad weather potentially equalising things. But I think we're ready to go, and I think I'm think i sure the Niles will be as well. I know bad weather, you talk about that
0: equalising things, and, and obviously the the horror of the early season defeat to the Bears immediately springs to mind. Poor Trey Lance in that uh, a tough as anything conditions. But I'd feel like between the addition of McCaffrey, having a fully healthy Elijah Mitchell back, Aaron Banks, who I know is still questionable on the reports, but told me and us yesterday that he expects to play on that knee, as does Javon Kinlaw this weekend. He told us the same. Like, I just feel like, they are so well set up to play in that weather. And I know that's technically, that is Seahawks weather, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they'll run the ball tw- like 25, 30 plus times. I'm sure that we'll see plenty of of uh, their brilliant young rookie walk. Like, like, all of that exists. All of that is fine. But with Jordan Brooks out for the Seahawks and with the run game as good as it is for San Francisco, I'm feeling weirdly positive about this weekend which you know maybe that's what 10 wins in a row does to a human being and maybe uh you know it's the 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 highs before the fall but i don't know i just just don't see it this weekend nicholas i just see it being
1: not routine but a good niners win i've been very reassured by and it's weird to you can never read too much into press conferences or media sessions or whatever but I think Shanahan coming out Tuesday, Wednesday and just saying we're ready to go. And then the, the tone that the players have struck whenever I've watched some of the media uh, responsibilities this week, it's kind of striking the right tone t- between we respect these guys, but we are ultra prepared and we know what we need to do. And that that's kind of the tone that reassures you that it's probably not going to be that kind of lull that you might worry about and that they are going to be ready to go and regardless of the weather or anything else, they're going to find a way to get this done.
0: For me as well, like, uh, again, going back to the interviews he's done this week, it was interesting, uh, Aaron Banks talked about, you know, the the classic player stuff of, you know, one week at a time, we're just preparing for this week, that's what we've done every week, but there's part of knowing they've won the West since they faced the Seahawks on that Thursday night game, knowing that it was just about seeding and that their playoff hopes were, you know, not on the line. You compare that with that big emotional win against the Rams last year, and then, Mm you go into the next week and you're feeling very wobbly on the whole thing. I feel like the way that this locker room is set up, the way that there are very high character guys throughout everyone that we speak to is very level headed it might be kind of boring that there's not those big, massive characters. And the, the characters, we've got fun guys. We've got guys like George Kittle, who's fun. Mm. You might not have those big, explosive, like, wow, in-your-face characters. But it feels like that kind of almost Belichick-style locker room where it's very business. Everyone knows their job. Everyone knows what they need to do. And everyone is just prepared and ready. And, yeah, it's, again, it's that unnervingly positive feeling I feel right now.
1: Yeah, you're right. They, they, the classic line that Shanahan spouts, we, you never get too high, you never get too low, win or lose. And you say a game at a time, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche. A lot, of, a lot of players believe that and do actually live their lives that way. They, they say it as cliches, but they really espouse because a lot of them just do deal with it that way. They, they're very good at compa- compartmentalising things and just not focusing on anything that they week. It's weak. It's a cliche, but a lot of, of times cliches are cliches because they're true and I think the Niners are a team that embody that. We haven't
0: talked about the brilliant stuff we've got coming up this week. So keep an eye out over both the Gridiron Twitter channel, uh, Instagram as well, at UK Gridiron. Um, a lot of our content will be going out around the game on TalkSport2 this weekend as well. Uh, we are going to be speaking to Greg Papa, the, the brilliant commentator for 49ers Radio, previewing the game this weekend. And we're going to be speaking to a former 49ers head coach in the form of Steve Mariucci. So, you know, as much fun as me and Nicholas have sitting here and, and shooting the the uh, about the 49ers, like there are going to be some pretty significant names coming on the show over the coming days. So it's, it's 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 an
1: exciting time to be alive, Nick. You make me think of the, um, the. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Simpsons episode where the man puts himself in the freezer in the quickie mart and then comes out and uh, thinks he's come out 100 years later and grabs something called Moon Pie and says, what a time to be alive. <laughs> you remind me of that. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my favourite uh, Simpsons bits ever. But yeah, it's, it's a, wonder, it is a wonderful time to be alive. there's been ten wins in a row and that leads itself to getting big name guests and getting even even bigger stars than ourselves on, on the podcast.
0: Well, look, uh, let's turn our attention to some of those guests then. There's plenty of locker room chat coming up on the way. But first of all, let's hear from the voice of the 49ers. If you've not heard this guy on the radio, you'll have heard him on maybe the Around the NFL podcast over the last 10 weeks. We keep winning games. You'll have heard him on TalkSport 2 as we've brought you commentary there throughout uh, the brilliant, the man of the bay, former Raiders uh, play-by-play man. But trust me, he is all in on the 49ers. Uh, Greg Papper chatting to us on Tales from the Bay. Well, I'm delighted to say that joining the show now ahead of Super Wildcard Weekend, not just Wildcard Weekend, Super Wildcard Weekend, uh, the 49ers opening the weekend at home to their Seattle Seahawks, well-known foe. And I'm delighted to say that Greg Papa is with us. Papa, I mean, since you took over as voice of the 49ers, they can't stop going to the playoffs. So you're used to a bit of January football in San Francisco.
2: Three out of four years. The one year was the pandemic year. So uh, we're on a roll. And I think, I think more than me, I think that uh, drafting of Nick Bosa with the second overall pick in 2019 may have changed the fortunes of the franchise. but that year, you know Nick's rookie year uh, started off 8 and0, 13 and three, hosted two playoff games and got within seven minutes and 13 seconds. and went the Super Bowl and then the chiefs run that 2-3 chip jet wasp play on third and 15. And the pandemic year was weird, obviously, and Nick got hurt. Jimmy got hurt. Raheem Oster got hurt. Everybody got hurt, and then that was just a you know throw it out year. And then last year, starting three and five, getting hot, uh, winning in Dallas, winning in Green Bay, having the Rams down by ten going to the fourth quarter of the title game, and damn. And then, uh, but this year, I don't know. Fred Warner was saying this well, and you've been covering this team a long time and watching. He thinks this is the best chance they have to win the Super Bowl, and you're like, well, 2019, Fred, you were one-third down stop away from winning it. But I think if you you play this year's team with the 2019 team or last year's team, this this team is better. And the the major reason, a lot of reasons, Nick's better, but Christian McCaffrey, uh, what he's doing, since he's been a full-time starter, as you know, they've not lost, they're 10-0. And then Brock Purdy, and Jimmy was good. Jimmy was really good. But I think the 49ers may have found uh, the best quarterback they've had with Kyle, with with this guy as the last pick of the draft. What a story. Just amazing. That's
0: astonishing. Astonishing. I um, Before the 2020, so two years ago, before the season, uh, DeForest Buckner joined us from, from the Colts, as he is now. And he told us he has on his wall the picture of him coming within six inches. Of Patrick Mahomes on that play he's, wow. he's like that is my motivation is having that on my wall knowing that I would have a ring right now if I just had another half a second like that would have been the difference and it is I'd never really. You focused so much on that play about how deep the drop was, about the coverage, about everything else. You, did, I, I'd never realize how close Buckner came to him. And it is. I don't know where your position was in the stadium, but we were in the end zone directly above that. And so, oh, just astonishing. Just
2: also on that play, watch Nick Bosa get held. Uh, that, that that was. Actually I mean,
0: that's every play. Ball. That's that's every play but for Eric the last four Fisher, years. <laughs> Eric
2: Fisher, the Chiefs' left tackle. It was the number one pick in his draft years before. Well, go back and watch that play. He's clearly grabbing Nick. He does get held every play. But that play, it was so blatant. And the way, remember when Mahomes backpedaled? So when I first saw that play, I thought Mahomes underthrew Tyreek. But when you look at it, he backpedaled like 17 yards. The ball was in the air like 60 yards. And he was backpedaling because Bosa was all over him. And if you go back and watch it, really, Nick was held. But you know what? That was Super Bowl Fifty Four. We're moving on with with designs on getting Super Bowl Fifty Seven.
0: I think our commentator said something like, "I swear that was a fifteen-step drop. What it a, Like, it, <laughs> it, is, it is astonishing, <laughs> it uh, yeah. magical, magical stuff." Look. um, uh, I, I'm going to flip this a little bit because we've done a lot of analysis. We've talked a lot about the Niners already this year and uh, we've done, we've uh, you know, chat to a couple of guys in the locker room, et cetera. So, you know, I know that you study both teams. I know you've seen the Seahawks a couple of times this year as well. What should the 49ers be ready for this weekend with Seattle and, and where can they potentially cause an upset on the field?
2: Well, I think the one thing and we saw this team, you know, a month ago, December the 15th in Seattle on that Thursday night. And the one thing the 49ers did in that game was they moved their best corner and tallest corner, Charverius Ward. We call him Mooney Man here, number seven. And he followed DK Metcalf around uh, almost the entire game. And it was a street fight. That was uh, one of my most fun encounters, you know, doing football all these years was our Charverius. Because DK Metcalf is big and strong. He's the bully. He bullies everybody. That night, Charvarius Ward bullied the bully, and it was, a, it was a brawl. He got a personal foul on him, and it was so much fun. There was an offensive pass interference on D.K., and he was losing his mind. So the 49ers have shown that they will have Charverius Ward follow D.K. Met, Metcalf around, Will, with the exception of when D.K. Metcalf goes in the slot. They have not asked Charvarius Ward to go inside with him. Now, the 49ers in this playoff game could do that. They could say, even if he goes in the slot, he's going in there. But they have not shown that. So on my radio show in San Francisco today, we had Sanjay Lal, who's a friend of mine going back to the Raiders days. He is Seattle's wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator. And I asked him what I'm laying out to you was, you know, Ward's going to follow DK around with the exception of when he goes in the slot. Will you put him, you know, formationally, how much do you put him in the slot? And he said, we're not going to give you the game plan, (laughs) but you're exactly right. If we put DK in the slot, then he won't go in there. So that'll be the other Ward. Jimmy Ward will have to match up with him, or they could try try to create a situation where Diomedo or Lenore would have to face DK Metcalf. And teams have been attacking uh, Diomedo or Lenore will just because he's smaller. You know, like uh, the A.J. Green, the second play of the game against Arizona. They created that jump ball, and A.J. Green at four just went up and took it away. Demo's under six feet. So look for him to do some of that, I think, in the game. Um, you know, and DK does not go in the slot a lot. 17% of all snaps this year, he's gone in the slot. So they may not do it all the time, but a big third down situation where they want him to use his size – just go up and bully whether it's jimmy ward or Demo lenore i think that's the one wrinkle we'll see for them offensively and then defensively conversely their best corner is Tariq woolen you know the rookie um he's six four he's fast as hell he ran a four two six forty he, he the, the 49ers will challenge him but uh, he's the kind of guy you want to stay away from and you want to attack the other guys michael jackson and their slot corners kobe bryant will So will they conversely ask Tariq Woolen, to follow maybe George Kittle around? What if they did that? What if they had him go at Kittle? Not not Brandon Ayuk. Debo's tough to follow because he lines up, he moves. You know, he's what they call the, the Z receiver, which is the flanker. He moves a lot in motion. You can hide him. You can motion him in the offensive backfield and give him the ball like a running back. So Debo's a hard guy to follow. Ayuk, you can follow. But what if they put him on George Kittle, something they haven't shown ever. But I've seen teams, you know, Jalen Ramsey follows Travis Kelsey around sometimes, elite tight ends. And George has scored seven touchdowns the last four games. And when we saw this team a month ago in Seattle on that Thursday night, he had two touchdowns. And they didn't have anybody they could cover him from the linebacker level or the safety level. So they play mostly zone. So they probably won't do that. But let's just see if they do. So I, I think it's you know will Seattle move DK Metcalf in the slot to get Charvius Ward off of him, and will they assign Tariq Woolen, the guy to follow around, because he's clearly the best cover guy?
0: I think like when we look at the first half of the season when they went six and two, and, and Geno Smith in particular surprised everyone. There were so many explosive plays in that offense. And in the second half of the year, it just feels like that has that's disappeared. I think we saw a few against the Jets and that really made the difference in that game. But that's when you talk about the idea of targeting Demo, of, of maybe trying to find a way, like, you know, we know Marquis Goodwin going very well from his time in, uh, in San Francisco. You know, if they try and use those third guys to maybe try and pick on what they might see as the weaknesses or try and force, yeah. you know, safeties to cover, I, I feel like without at least three, four of those explosives, as you as you love to call them on the radio, and we love hearing them called, then I, I think without those, I think the, the Seahawks will really struggle to move the ball, honestly.
2: Yeah, so just to uh, differentiate, and as the coaching staff calls them that, so any pass play 20 or more yards is an explosive. Any run play 10 or more yards is an explosive. And the 49ers say,ing I, I I think it's 184, somewhere in there, explosives offensively. So that's, that's one of the most, you know, we're talking, you know, 17 games. You're talking 10 maybe it's less, maybe it's 140, but they, they, I think they had the third most in football, Will. And one of the most, you know, in in the history of the franchise. So that's where, you know, that's how you make big plays. Christian McCaffrey is a walking explosive. That guy, you know, we, we call uh, Jawan Jennings, third and Jawan. The coaches call Jawan chains for moving the chains, but I call McCaffrey chains McCaffrey, every time he touches the ball, it's either a first down or a touchdown. He picks up nine or 10 yards every play. So when he does it as a runner, that's an explosive. So these are what, it's like the home run in baseball. You know, whoever hits the most home runs typically wins a baseball game. Whoever has the most explosives in a football game typically wins. So the 49ers are good at generating explosives offensively. And then they don't give them up defensively with the exception of the Kansas City game. They detonated the whole game. Like every play was an explosive. So after that, though, you know, they they don't allow them. So these are the special athletes that can explode on you. Tyler Locke, we haven't talked about him. That guy's a hard guy to match up with. And he's playing with a broken left hand. He's got six screws in that hand. But that little sucker missed one game. He is tough. D.K. Metcalf is overtly... You know, huge, tough six, four, two and a quarter, tough. Tyler Lockett's tough in a whole different way. So we're getting into all these exotics with these great players in space. But you know what it's gonna come down to? We're gonna have a lot of rain on, on and for this game when it kicks off. Well, it's gonna rain hard. Um, I think the whole game. Who can run the ball? You're talking Kyle Shanahan and you're talking Pete Carroll. What are they based on running the football? So can Seattle's iffy, and I'm being kind run defense, stop Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. When they motion Depot Samuel in the backfield and give him the ball like a running back, when they bring in the closer, the finisher, J.P. Mason, can they stop the 49ers from running the ball? And conversely, late in the year, they call him K-9 up in Seattle. Where's number nine? Kenneth Walker the third, the rookie uh, explosive running back. A great speed to get to the edge. They're having him run downhill more. So we could, you know, trick it up. We're going to follow that guy around. I'm going to follow that guy around. But really it's, it's blocking, it's tackling, getting off blocks and, and, and the running game, you know, whichever team dominates the other in the run game is going to have a Seattle's got to run the ball. There's no way Gino could drop back and throw it, you know, with Nick Bosa in that front coming after them. So, and then, you know, the 49ers are going to try to run the ball. So in the simplest form, which team can run the ball? the best through this, this rainstorm on, on Saturday.
0: I um, I think the one thing about the, the running of the ball that intrigues me, and I, th- I thought it was fascinating to see the kind of the number of screen setups we maybe saw this past week is Jordan Brooks missing for for the Seahawks. Feels like, you know, every city has their linebacker, as I heard someone say this week when talking about the Hall of Fame class. He's theirs right now and, and without him in there. I, I fear for them when it comes to just how many different looks that that offense can give you in the run game.
2: Absolutely. He's the, he's their leading tackler, second leading tackler in the NFL. And he tore his ACL. So going back in time, you know, when they had the Legion of Boom and that great defense, you know, it was a cover three defense. So they played three deep, you know, with, with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, but it was the buzz of the linebackers underneath that made that defense so great. It was Bobby Wagner and it was the very underrated K.J. Wright. So K.J.'s been gone for a couple of years. Bobby, in fact, it was March the 8th, the day that they traded Russell to Denver, they also released Bobby Wagman. So they gave this defense over to Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton, because they're playing a 3-4, so they have two stacked linebackers, not one middle linebacker. So both those guys, Cody Barton's a special teams guy, but they're asking to play a you know, as a starting linebacker. And Jordan Brooks... Uh, great tackler, but the 49ers attacked him as a coverage guy in space. He's not good. But now he's gone. So that area now, they got a couple of guys they're using, Tanner Muse, number 58, who's in on the base downs. So if you want to play with Uzchak on the field, they're gonna match up with their with their base linebacker. So he'll be on the field. So if you want to, you know, run out of what the 49ers call 21 personnel, two running backs, say McCaffrey and Uzchak. They're going to leave 50 in, in the field. You can attack that guy all day. He's, he's not he's not Jordan Brooks. He's not Bobby Wagner. He's not K.J. Wright. And then when they go to the nickel, they bring in this younger guy, A.J. Johnson, number 34. He's faster as far as a straight line, fast guy, but he doesn't have great change of direction. So I think the middle of the field, the 49ers will attack in this game. So that's Kittle over the middle. That's Ayuk on the slant routes. Debo on the digs. McCaffrey and all the choice routes over the middle, whatever they want to do. So I remember going back to the game a month ago in Seattle, Will, when the 49ers ran that Hollywood play where they faked left, they faked right, they went to George over the middle. That's why if I'm Seattle, I can't cover Kittle. I, I I I can't zone him and cover him. I can't man and cover him. So if I if, you know if it's Belichick, what he would do is take Kittle away. How do you take Kittle away? Tariq Woolen. My best corner is going to match up with George Kittle. So let's see if they do that. But you're exactly right. The Jordan Brooks injury is profound for them. But one guy to keep an eye on, I'm hearing from Seattle, he won't play in this game, is Ryan Neal, their other safety, number 26. Uh, He's been out the last three games, the knee, Uh, all the intel we're getting from Seattle, he's going to play in this game along with Quandre Diggs. So that'll help the deep middle and their safety play. But what do they do? without Jordan Brooks in the middle of the field, how do they match up with George Kittle in this game is going to be huge.
1: Just
0: in terms of of what you've seen around the facility this week, your conversations with Kyle, with the players, with with everyone, what's been the just the mood, what's been the like we've we've had a couple of conversations. We had Aaron Banks on the other day. We we had a quick chat with Javon Kinlaw, which is always entertaining uh, yeah. from the locker room. He's a, he's a character. But Everything was so steady and I couldn't figure out if maybe the fact that they have just, you know, they've known that this game is coming for three or four weeks, barring some kind of miracle with the one seed. They've been ready to prepare for this mentally, but I don't know, like you, know, you see it, it ticks up with every stage of the season and you almost expect there to be that kind of pensive it's playoff time, but everyone seemed so level. It was astonishing.
2: Well, what did Aaron tell you? Cause I think Aaron Banks, so he missed the last game with the, with the knee. He, 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 he practiced. He, I think he, he told us he play. expects
0: to play, yeah. He told us yeah, he expects he to will. play.
2: So, they, I think if he plays, then Brunskill goes back to right guard and they rotate him with Burford. So, I think Banks will play. Uh, the thing with Kinlaw, well, that's another area to attack. He's got to play lower. Keep an eye on him. He's got bad knees, obviously, and he's a big guy. So, when he comes out of his stance, he stands straight up. And teams that are picking on him, you know, low man li- wins in football. And you talked about DeForest Buckner. Ain't a problem with that at times because he's six seven. He's so big, and you stand up, and you know they double team you, and they can just root you right out of there. Kinlaw's run defense has got to be better because Seattle will run right at him. You know, go back and watch the Arizona game. Their touchdown, they had a couple of runs, run right to the one yard line, and then the one where they scored and they picked on Kinlaw. So that Seattle's got you know Damian Lewis, their left guard's a good player. And this running back, Kenneth Walker the K nine, likes to run between the tackles now. So Kinlaw's got to be low, and if he does not, if he can't do it, Kevin Givens will be back for this game. There's other guys they can rotate in there. Um, so that that's an area, along with obviously Eric Armstead, you've got to be stout in the middle. Um, as far as the mood, they're always serious. It's pro football; every game's big, but it's a different vibe. This is playoffs. They are. They are really on it. They are, they're ready. They realize um, they got to win this game. You know, they could say that all season, but you could still lose the game and you're in the playoffs. Now it's, it's, it's done. You know, you're one and done. you lose, you're out. So there's a real, and this goal, the goal of this franchise is not to win Saturday or this weekend after or the weekend after is to win the two and two weekends after. They know when February 12th is. And you promised me if we go to this game, you're coming to Arizona. They okay. want to win the Super Bowl. So that's that. So they're, 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 they may be giving you the cool vibe, but this is a playoff game. So I'm sensing even more seriousness and sense of purpose. They're on it. The one thing, though, from being at practice yesterday, it rained hard during practice. Brock Purdy can throw the football through the rain. He was ripping the ball. And I know Kyle was like, the first thing he said to me was, you see Brock throw it today? Wow. <laughs> so, and that, that gives the, the play caller a sense of confidence that Purdy can throw in the rain. So if you think he can't throw in the raid, now you're like, what do we do? And Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's from Chicago. He had rain games where he struggled. You know, remember that Indianapolis game last year on Sunday night? We had a, what they called a bomb cyclone come through that weekend. It was a monsoon. And Jimmy tried to put gloves on, but he had a hard time throwing in the rain. John Elway, he's got big hands, big, strong guy, played in Denver. He had a hard time throwing in the rain. Peyton Manning, when he went from Indianapolis to Denver, and he played in the Dome all those years in Indy, when he got outside of Denver, took him a while to figure out what gloves to wear. But he had a hard time throwing in that weather. Brock, even though he's six feet, five-eighths of an inch tall, his hands are not that big, they're they're not small, but they're nine and three eighths. You know, other guys have bigger hands. Um, he, he he proved to them he can throw in the rain. So I think we're going to have gnarly weather, Will, for this game. It's going to feel like a you know London rainstorm a little bit, and uh, and if it's windy, he can throw it. So I think that's my my main takeaway this week is uh, Kyle has tremendous faith in in Brock throwing through the rain. So if you have, and then you know with defensive players. The rain slows down the pass rush a little bit. Not so much Bosa, because Bosa's, he's not, you know, long and and lanky. He's more built to the ground, so he's more of a mutter, you know. So I think he'll be able to handle. He's shown it before. We had a a few rain games. There was one in Washington in Landover, Maryland, his rookie year. He was forceful in the rain. Uh, But I think it'll give Kyle confidence that Brock can throw. And then, then you get into double moves with wide receivers, you know, slant goes stutters and goes you know uh, different routes where you double move a corner and maybe the corner slips he comes up and takes once you know one bite, one move up and then he just loses his footing and, phew, you get behind him so i think you know most people think you get a run 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 it's a rain game i think kyle has tremendous faith as a play caller that this quarterback can throw through these elements and then he got the wide receivers to maybe d-
0: double both these guys you're getting me excited, Greg. That's not fair. Let's uh, go. <laughs> what it's just imagining Brandon and I breaking some ankles on Saturday night and getting downfield yeah. and yeah. Brock ripping it through a monsoon. It's just uh yeah. It's getting me hot and bothered, and we've got 48 <laughs> hours to go yet. So uh let's uh let's just keep it cool, keep it calm, and get ready for Saturday. And yeah, absolutely, by the way, flights are books, hotel is books. Uh, our spot on Radio Row is booked. Our spot in the stadium is booked. We are, we're in Arizona either way. We'll be there covering it if it's, you know, if it's uh, Chargers Cowboys, we'll be there covering it.
2: Yeah, we don't want that. But And I'll be there either way, but it'll be so much more fun, Will. If you're there, I'm there, and the 49ers are there. Let's face it. <laughs>
0: I struggled a few years ago. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Greg, really appreciate your time as always. Uh, Thank Thank you so much and look forward to your call on Saturday night. We'll talk
2: next week right after they win this game. We're going to keep it going.
0: Hell yes. Hell yes. We can't stop now. Can't stop now. The brilliant Greg Papa joining us. You know, we want to hear that touchdown. I'm sorry, I'm shouting really loud and it's quite late at night here in the UK. I'm sure that we're going to get a text from the wife after that immediately. Uh, <laughs> C-M-C. There you go. I, did, I just did it nice and quietly for everyone. Uh, let's let's get on. Nicholas, I'm just going to roll through. Let's get our next guest on because the next guy is a former head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, one of the best doing it on TV, one of the biggest personalities, and a guy who I'm sure is going to have some views on this Niners team. The brilliant Steve should join us. In Well, I'm delighted to say that joining the show now, a man who knows what it is to coach at the very top level and give analysis at the very top level, of course, with his fine work with NFL Network and beyond as well. The brilliant Steve Mariucci joining us on the show now. Mooch, how are you doing, sir? Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us.
3: Hey, thank you for having me on. And thank you for calling me brilliant. I I don't think I've ever been described that way. I've had a lot of other adjectives. How are you guys doing? Good to talk to you.
0: Hey, hey, look! I don't, I'm not sure if Nicholas and I were given an opportunity to coach in the Bay for for six years. I'm not sure we're we're going on four playoff runs. That's for sure.
1: Definitely not. No, um, I'm getting kicked out after one season almost certainly.
0: <laughs> A pair of one and duns right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look,
3: listen, listen, hang on a minute.
1: I'm looking at the, your background there. What's that? Who's playing football? Who's that picture behind Sign you? That is a picture of um, Joe Staley, which I used to, where, back when the when internet message boards were a thing, I used to be the moderator for the 49ers yep. one. So it was a, a gift to the, the moderators. The Niners sent me a, sent us a signed picture of Joe Staley, who's path-blocking Jared Allen there. It's, uh, yeah,
3: Joe Staley, Central Michigan University. Good guy. Yep.
0: Brilliant What Gary. a player. What a player. Uh, and we've got a few of those on this team now Look, I there's so much to, to kind of break down with the Niners this season. How positive are you feeling about this team going into going into Wild Card weekend with the with the Seahawks and uh, and getting ready for a playoff? And they've known been coming for a few weeks, which is a slightly nice change from the last couple of seasons.
3: Yeah, here we go again with the Seahawks, you know, and it's kind of crazy because the Seahawks with Gino, with a new quarterback, Geno Smith, really exceeded our expectations, uh, replacing Russell Wilson who beat the Niners the last 14 out of 16 times before this year, right? So, well, Russell Wilson's not there anymore, so here's Geno. And, uh, of course, the 49ers really had their way with the Seahawks this year. And everybody's expecting the same kind of result uh, on Saturday over here at Levi Stadium. But uh, my wife just walked in and handed me some fresh squeezed orange juice. You know what I mean? You know what? She's from England. All right? I'll just tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> Her family is from England.
0: <laughs> that is some California living right there. I'm a big fan of that.
3: Yeah, that's right out of our trees right here. Just squish them down and drink it. Um, but anyway, uh it, the Niners, what a year they've had, huh? I mean, first of all, you know, everybody's talking Super Bowl around here because they've been playing as well as anybody or better, right? And and and, and it's nobody's ever gone to the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback. And I'm sure you're going to talk a lot about Brock Purdy because that's quite a story, isn't it?
0: Uh, unreal. Genuinely unreal.
1: Yeah, o- unbelievable story, Mooch, because yeah, I wanted to get your your thoughts on Brock Purdy. How I mean, I'm not sure this has ever been done before with a, a quarterback drafted as late as, as he has. I mean, what, what have you seen from him and why he's been able to be so successful? So, you know, we 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 can't say that
3: we've never seen this before. Unless he goes to the Super Bowl, we've never seen that before. yeah. The yeah. I worked right. with Kurt Warner at the NFL Network, right? Mm-hmm. And Kurt Warner didn't get drafted at all. Not he wasn't Mister Irrelevant. He was Mister Nobody at that time, and didn't <laughs> he didn't even get drafted? Didn't get invited to the combine, and he's now in the Hall of Fame. And so, uh, to, yeah, as you know, Tom Brady was he dropped all the way to one ninety nine mm-hmm. as yeah. well. But but this is just a heck of a story with Brock Purdy um, because really in his last five starts, well, he, he's only started five games. He's, he, he's got the highest passer rating of any quarterback and the most touchdowns of any quarterback. You could, you could make an argument that he is playing the best quarterback in the national football league over Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, name them. And it's kind of like what? Um, so there's a couple schools of thought too, guys. Um, some people here felt that they had a heck of a team, right? You, you guys follow them so you know they're a very talented roster. And some people say, well, heck, you know, maybe we would have been in this position with Trey Lance. Maybe we would have been in a position like this with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he's already brought us to a Super Bowl. So now it's you know Brock Purdy happens to be the guy in charge with the keys to the car, but you know it's uh, you know whatever quarterback we have uh, should should win games because we're so talented, right? That's one school of thought. But when you but when you think he's a rookie and he's playing better than anybody, that is the surprise that, you know, he's not playing like a rookie. He's playing like a like a seasoned veteran and uh, the game's not too big for him. (laughs) So it's kind of fun to to watch and wait and say, are we going to see a moment where, uh, yeah, well, okay, there, there. He just showed his rookie moment right there, threw it to a linebacker for a pick six, but he's been playing great.
0: We get lucky enough to chat with these guys in, in the locker room each week after practice and Trent Williams came up, on with us, I think, after his second start and, and we said to him, like, you know, how have you been surprised to see the the poise this young man's shown, the pocket presence, just the the stuff that a quarterbacks meant to learn, not just have from day one. And he, he said, well, it helps when you've spent 10 weeks going up against the best defense in the NFL in practice every single week as a coach, do you buy into that kind of iron sharpens iron idea that actually like what he's had to face in practice, is going to have made a huge difference to his development.
3: Yes. And no, um, yes, that, that is a true statement. And Trent Williams is the best tackle in in football. Okay. They got a lot of guys on that team. that are the best at their position. Anyway. Um, he when you when you're the third string quarterback or even the second when you're a, you only carry two quarterbacks what you your job in practice is to run the scout team that means you run the plays of the opponent against your great defense okay and and you throw the ball around and you go off the cards and you go that's what they do over there in Seattle let's run that play and he handles that yes so he's going against He's throwing the ball against a talented defense it's not live they don't sack him they don't you know they don't try to kill him I, they just they just go through the the, the plays and, and recognize you know some of the the past concepts and that sort of thing so while he is facing that good defense it's it's not for real it's it's um he's got a red jersey on he doesn't get touched and and um uh, You know, it's just it's not it's not live action. So that's doesn't have the pressure on him. There's no pressure running the team cards. Right. There's pressure uh, carrying the baton right now on a really good team with high expectations. That's the pressure that he's facing right now. It used to be, oh, my God, I got to see if I can play in this league to see if I'm okay, And now it's all of a sudden. All right. We know you can play. But now you've got to lead us to the Super Bowl. That's your job. Don't mess it up. And so um, that's where he is right now. But the kid seems to have it, the
1: it factor. I don't know what that is, but um, he seems to have it, right? Coach, does he remind you a little bit, say you mentioned pressure, but when the pass rush comes a lot of the time, he's able to break the pocket, make those kind of second reaction plays that maybe Jimmy can't do so regularly. Does he remind you of a guy that you used to coach back in San Francisco, Jeff Garcia, that can could do that kind of thing for make plays on the move? Similar in size.
3: You know, I think Jeff was six feet, 190 pounds soaking wet. Um, Brock is a little thicker than that, but he's not much taller than that. Um, So I I guess now maybe Jeff was a little more mobile. I, I think Brock's only got about 10 yards rushing. He's, he's not a, he's not a scrambler runner kind of guy with like this new wave of athletic quarterbacks. However, he, he's he's quick enough and he's and he's he, he's got avoidability in the pocket and he can escape when he should and he's smart. He has good pocket presence. What do I mean by that? Well, he'll go back in that pocket and he'll slide so he can see and throw, but he'll get out of there when he should. You, you know, he's got this clock in his mind. You can't sit there for four or five seconds, you're gonna get crushed. So he he'll leave the pocket when he should. He's making good decisions that way too.
0: What about what he's got around him because you mentioned you know that there's a lot of players on that team who are the best or or in the conversation at least for the best at their position you mentioned trent williams and, and that line but making that trade for christian mccaffrey so many question marks made over it in midseason, what they gave up for a running back how much they've invested in running backs over the years when they've been able to get success out of guys who are undrafted late round guys but this this has felt like a, a whole different world bringing bringing McCaffrey in. So
3: every game that he has started, which is ten, they have won. And he, you know it's not all credited to to Christian McCaffrey, but he's a different kind of a back, isn't he? He's uh, think about how he fits on this team. They didn't care about giving up draft choices for him. They got to pay Joe or Nick Bosa. They got to pay these other guys. They don't care about. A couple of draft choices in the future right now they got to try to keep this team together and win now because the roster is built to win now and so he he gets them over the top because he's a running back will that can play receiver you got a debo samuels who's a receiver who can play running back they've got these interchangeable parts all over the darn place which makes it so difficult to to defend them and then of course kyle Shanahan's very creative, we we know that, and um, he he's he's been having a ball. And now Debo came back last week. He's he missed a month, right? But he's he's back healthy. And if this team's healthy, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey is just the just the missing piece that gets
0: him over the hump. I think you mentioned that idea of like. How multiple they are and and just how varied they are we were joking about this this week they're a team who could go five wide without a single receiver on the field like as an offensive guy how much fun would that be to scheme for think about that, that think about that
3: what how much fun would that be for the opposing defensive coordinator i don't know how to, i don't know what personnel group to put out there do i put my base group out Cause that's what they have out there or my neck nickel or my dime group and get real small and light and fast. Cause then they shift back in and they smash it right down at you. And so they can do all those things with their personnel uh, being that versatile. Even Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, he's the highest paid fullback in the league. There's only nine teams that use a fullback anymore. It's a dinosaur. They don't, they don't use them anymore. They don't come up in college. They're just non. you got to look under rocks for these guys. And, and he's the best in the league. And, and he can play fullback. He can play you or even tight end. That's what he was in college or tailback if need be. And if you split those other guys out there, like you mentioned, um, Kittle can do about anything too. He can probably do the halftime show. And so, you know, they they, <laughs> they just, uh, that's what they have. They have some athletes that are versatile in what they can
1: do. Coach, you've obviously coached some fantastic receivers with the Niners, with T.O. With and, and Jerry Rice. I want to get your thoughts on um, on Brandon Ayuk. Full disclosure, I'm one of the biggest Brandon Ayuk fans around. Have been since his days at Arizona Arizona State. Just want to get your thoughts on his development this season. Finally getting over the thousand yard mark, and is he perhaps underrated in uh, the ranks of the great receivers? On, in the on, on whose development, Brandon Ayuk? Ayuk, yeah. So when I was in training camp, doing a show
3: all day um, at their training camp practices, Brandon Ayuk got kicked out of the practice. <laughs> because he was fighting the day before and then he got in another fight and kicked him out again. I mean, this guy's tough. He's a tough guy. All right. (laughs) Arizona state kid. And you know, you're right. He's kind of the Rodney danger field over there um, because he doesn't get enough respect. Right. And, and so, but he's as capable as anybody as a wide receiver, they're going to play him at, they're not going to play him at running back or, or anything like that, but he really does his job well. And he he provides a little toughness to that group because he's 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 wired a little differently I mean you know receivers don't typically like to fight but he kind of does and uh, so so anyway yeah and he's been pretty steady he's been dependable when the other guys sometimes get hurt right
0: Mm -hmm. I, I think it feels like that's something they breed into them there I remember talking to to Manny Sanders at the last Super Bowl appearance. And he said, like, prior to this in Denver and everywhere else, I never blocked downfield. Now I'm doing it on every snap and I absolutely love it. And it's just something about that Shanahan scheme. It's something about the way that Bobby Turner gets them playing in the run game. It's something about, like, they just, they breed something into those receivers that's just like, uh, they enjoy blocking as much as they seem to catching the ball, which you'll know as a coach, is quite difficult to get a receiver to do. You said Emmanuel Sanders, huh? Yeah. So he's
3: working with us on the NFL network, right? He'll be with us uh, Saturday and Sunday, and he's joined us this fall. He does a nice job. He was a good receiver in the league for several teams, and now he's going to be really good in in television. Um, But, yeah, uh, some – of course, as you guys know, covering the Niners for a while, you guys know that really it's a run-first type of philosophy, right? They're not going to sling it 50 times a game like Tom Brady does – Um, They're going to try to establish the run game and the play action and movement kind of game. That's what they like to do and play good defense. It's been a real good recipe, right? So when you, when you run the ball, your receivers better buy in because you're going to have to stock block once in a while, like most of the time.
1: (laughs) I just wanted to get you speaking of Saturday. Um, there's a cliche going around about playing a, a, a same team three times in a season, like the Niners will do, and how difficult it is to beat a, a, the same team three times. I was looking back through your um, coaching career with the Niners, and the only one I could find was the '98 season, where I think you believe I believe you faced the Falcons three times in the same season. obviously, Garrison got hurt in the in the playoff game, and that really hamstrung you a little bit. Do you kind of buy into that? The, uh, the difficulty of playing the same team three times
3: depends on what happened in the first two. So so all right, you guys put yourself in this shoes right here. So you're a guy and some big old guy over there in the other classroom kicks your butt twice at recess, okay? Two weeks in a row. All right. Do you feel confident that you're gonna get them the third time around? (laughs) No. And because the other the other guy's bigger, tougher, it's the other team is better than than one team, oftentimes when they when they sweep an opponent. Now. If it's close games, if you can go either way, that's a different story. Or if you split during the year, that's a different story, right? But the Niners really dominated the Seahawks, what, 27 to 7 in the first game. It was a little closer than that last time around, but it was was somewhat of a beatdown. So, I mean, that advantage goes to the Niners just from a mental standpoint, a confidence standpoint. We can beat these guys. They're in our way. Let's get rid of them and let's move on. And the Seahawks have got to have a little doubt in their minds like, hey, you know, maybe our roster isn't as good as this. Maybe <laughs> maybe we can't stop George Kittle and uh, and you know, that kind of thing. Or maybe we can't pass for Tech. We got two rookie tackles, right? Lucas and Cross are two rookie tackles for Seahawks. They got to block Joe, uh, Nick Bosa for crying out loud. So that's tough, um, especially when that when the Niners have had success against them. If, if the Seahawks win and they can they can because Pete Carroll's a good coach and that's a good team. It's, it's not a great team with the Seahawks. It's just a good team. If they win um, you know, it'll, it'll be somewhat of an upset, but uh, um, you know, in fact, they backed into the playoffs because the Packers had to beat the lions. There would have been the Packers playing this weekend over here, right? With Aaron Rodgers, That's what everybody expected. So this young Seahawks team is up and coming. They'll be fine. I think Gino will be their quarterback. I don't think they need to go draft one. And uh, they can draft some other position. But uh, they'll fight them. They'll fight them because they're rivals. Um, but I think the better team is the Niners without any
0: question. I think you're right. And I think, you know, as much as Pete Carroll is like, you know, those two Super Bowl runs, it was very us versus them. That was the whole mentality. Like, that's what he will breed into this team. And so I totally expect them to turn up. You know, you talked about the idea of the, the, the guys beating you up two weeks in a row. I don't think they're going to come into that third fight, you know, covering their face and, and backing down by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to come out swinging. But I also think that from a 49ers perspective, talking to the guys this week, the fact they've known they're in for a few weeks, the fact that there is that little bit of kind of leeway that, that that just seems to be, you know, they're very healthy. Just everything seems to be very level. Like everything, it doesn't feel like a playoff week there. It feels like a normal week. And that's like, I don't know if I'm excited for that. Cause like that shows that they've got a really good mentality or if you're like, but surely you've got to get up for this. This is, you know, come Saturday, it's going to be huge.
3: You know, as coaches, we, Try to keep the playoff game. We we know that there's different parts of a season. There's an off season where you're just lifting and just kind of getting healed up. And then there's the preseason where you're trying to formulate your roster and get to shake the rust off and try to get back in the swing of things. And then that so that ticks up a little bit. And then it ticks up for the regular season because this puts you in the dance if you're one of the top seven seeds. Now it ticks up again for the playoffs. It just does because it's one and done it's more money you're playing for the ring and the trophy all of that we all get that however coaches want to try to make these weeks of preparation the same as we've been doing it all season so it doesn't like you put cray paper up in your locker room like high school homecoming you just kind of keep it steady and do what you've been doing do what got you here you don't you don't do more push-ups or jumping jacks or wind sprints. You just do what you've been doing. And so you, you, it's a kind of a business approach. We all know that it it matters more, right? We all know that this is for real right now. And uh, the crowd knows it too come, come Saturday. So uh, that, that emotional part of it takes care of itself, I think.
0: Nicholas unless there's anything else from you I just wanted to ask one about what we've talked a lot about the offense no surprise you're an offensive guy but just a word from you on you mentioned Nick Bosa and that great defense but the job that D'Amico Ryans has done this year he's now being touted for head coaching roles and and the way that they have coached up that defense to be what is right now leading the NFL in, in so many categories.
3: Yeah. And so um, that's that's when they were going to Super Bowls with Jim Harbaugh, you know, when they've had some success, it's been defense has been really good and offense been steady. And so that's the same formula right now. Real talented um, defense. Eric Armstead now is back healthy. He missed a large part of the season. Fred Warner is as good as any linebacker in the league. He was the highest-paid guy for a while. Drake Greenlaw and 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 the Ward the Ward guys back there and, and Gibson and and they're just they're just a talented bunch and a confident bunch, pretty darn healthy bunch right now too. So they're good against the run. You just really can't establish anything. They only give up seventy-seven yards a game rushing, and uh, you know they're the number one defense with total yardage and scoring. So it's just. You're not gonna, you, you know, you. If you beat them, you got to beat them 17 to 14 or something, because because they're not gonna give up a lot of points. They're just not, and so that's why Geno Smith is gonna have to hit some bombs away to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, because they're just too hard to put a 12 play drive against. Um, they they're they're good pass rushing. Bosa led the league in sacks, right? And then you uh, can't run, you can't pass. What can you do? So maybe you got to steal one in the special teams area.
1: Yeah, just final one for me. Um, i to got your thoughts on just Kyle Shanahan's coaching job in general. He said at the start of the year that he thought this was his best team and he's, that's kind of been um, borne out. But just in managing the, the whole situation in, being, in having three quarterbacks and then putting a rookie quarterback, a rookie seventh-round pick in position to to excel to the level that he has, is that a, is that a coach of the year-type season from Shanahan, do you think?
3: Yeah, he's a candidate for sure. So it was Nick Sirianni over with the Eagles, Doug Peterson with the Jags. I mean, there's some, there's an argument for a handful of guys doing uh, Brian Dable with the Giants. I mean, you know, but certainly Kyle is in that conversation. You know, at one point during the season, when you recall, they were three and four and Trey Lance had been hurt. And now, you know, they were lucky enough to sign Jimmy G back. Right. It was like, whoa, thank God we didn't trade him away. And then because I don't know what will happen. Uh, Maybe pretty would have played then. <laughs> I don't know. So um, and then all of a sudden, Jimmy G starts winning games. They were three and four and then they win 10 in a row. And so that's a that's a long stretch of, of wins. It's hard to do that in the league. And so here we are uh, with the with a healthy team, a confident team. And Kyle Shanahan has kind of pushed the right buttons. You know, John Lynch has done a nice job putting that roster together. Let's face it. Let's face it, guys. You got to have the horses, man. You got to have the players that get the job done on the field. You can't throw it for them or block and tackle for them. You got to have those kinds of guys. And and it it almost seems like this is, the uh, you know, the stars are aligned uh, for the Niners this year. Um, I, I fully expect them, well, they're going to have a tough game at the Eagles. They'll have to go to Philadelphia, and they have a good team, but they've got some injury concerns right now. Uh, with Lane Johnson, the right tackle out, and Jalen Hurst, shoulder, the quarterback, got a shoulder injury. So you got you don't know where that gonna, is going to go. So in my mind right now, the Niners are the favorite to get to that Super Bowl.
0: I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned John Lynch as well, last thing from, from us, that – that decision when you hear the behind the scenes story that about that McCaffrey decision where they played him with the Panthers where prior to that there had been no conversations about him. Like obviously, I mean, Carl Shannon's known him since he was a kid. They, there's a relationship there, but essentially they he came into town. He was brilliant against the 49ers and they kind of just went, he might be available. You know, they they're having a regime change there. Things are not going well. Like do we just, you know, should we go for it? And they they took that plunge and it ended up being brilliant and, and John Lynch deserves it. Yeah. Some. And they were
3: taking a chance because as you know, Christian McCaffrey had been injured for a couple seasons on and off. So there was a risk there based on his health. <laughs> He looks pretty healthy to us, doesn't he, right
0: now? <laughs> yes, he does. Today, sir. Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh Mujla, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for for speaking with us. Hey, um, it was
3: a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. We'll do okay, it
0: again on the Okay. We're going to be in Arizona. So hopefully we bump into Will you there. We're going to okay. be there we're going to be there either way, covering it for UK Radio. Okay. Well, but, maybe I'll You're
3: going to be on, over at Radio Row or where are you going to be?
0: Where oh we're, yeah, we're going to be yeah. on Radio Row every day, doing our shows and hopefully getting hyped for a 49er super. Bowl, but I'm <laughs> right, sure we'll have I'll a great look, yeah. time either way. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> nice, nice meeting you. Guys. And nice to meet you too, coach. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, Nicholas, it, it, it's crunch time. We've come to the end of the show. We've had some brilliant guests. We've got loads more content coming out over the coming days. We've not really done predictions previously, but I feel like I feel like yeah, if we're going to do it, the playoffs is the time to do it. 49ers right now are like nine and a half point favourites for this game. The weather I think will bring that line in a little bit but Mm -hmm. what do you think this weekend? Where do you see this game being won and lost?
1: Yeah, the weather is an interesting one because the only real path to the Seahawks scoring points, I think, I I like Kenneth Walker. I do think he runs into the back of his blockers quite a lot but he he has that explosive run that that explosive runs he can get to. The Niners did a good job of shutting that down. With most teams. Josh Jacobs being probably the, example, probably the lone exception. He had a good game against them. But the Niners, for the most part, have had a good uh, done a good job of taking the run away. And if it's absolutely just raining cats and dogs, then the, the only avenue they have is explosive plays to Metcalf and Lockett. And that kind of gets taken away if you can't throw the deep ball in the rain. So it's, it works for both ways. And I think the Niners are kind of ace in the hole was what you saw on Sunday against the Cardinals. I like, Granted, the Cardinals have, apart from JJ Watt, who was fantastically in his final game it kind of a team that had given up at least in the second half anyway they played tough in the first half but after that the Niners easily pulled away and without much resistance but the ace in the hole in that game I thought was the way the Niners set up the screen game you saw it with, with McCaffrey and with with Debo Samuel and you saw those outside runs to Elijah Mitchell that's the kind of stuff that I think the Niners can still execute pretty well even in really bad weather you can get those guys if they're all healthy, which they are, you get you get those guys the ball behind the line of scrimmage and watch them do work there, and you can get people. The Niners do an excellent job of getting blockers out in front of them, the interior lineman, the tight ends. Kyle Juszczyk again was mashing people uh, in the open field, blocking first. But I think that's really the way the Niners get to offense, and I'm not 100 percent sure that the Seahawks are going to be able to get to to the offenses consistently to be able to keep up. So I think the Niners. I think I can see it being relatively close to the first half, um, but I think the Niners pull away eventually if they, they find the enough avenues towards offence and limit the Seahawks as they've done in the previous two encounters and to win this, probably by just over one score, I would say.
0: And look, it's worth mentioning that against the Jets two weeks ago, they did find those explosive plays again mm-hmm. uh, against the Rams. There were a couple of big downfield passes, something that they had massively in that opening stretch, that six and two run they had to start the season. You know, big plays was such a part of their offence and just disappeared in the second half of the season. Yeah. I, I that you mentioned the screen game I think that as much as they've got some decent pass rush some good young players on that mm-hmm. defense no Jordan Brooks their leading tackler who just flies around the field you know he reminds you of those guys who were on the 49ers linebacker call, that that's the that's a guy who they're going to miss hugely okay. great for them that Tariq Woolen is looks like like got back into the game after that pretty nasty looking foot injury and and continued to play and mm-hmm. you know those young corners are exciting but you are putting them into a very very tough situation against san francisco this weekend and i just think they are going to have too much think they're going to overwhelm the seahawks in the end like you say one of those games where maybe it's it they keep it close for 35 40 game minutes but then it gets away from them late on and uh, i i've trying i've tried the whole week to be really like level headed and be like you know it's playoff football Divisional rival, the Seahawks have broken my heart so many times. There's so much else to, to, to uh, so much other concern to have about that. But this is a six and two team mm-hmm. who scraped into the playoffs in the final week of the season, thanks to a shock Lions win in Lambeau and to a pretty bogusly called game against the Rams where they got a phantom uh, uh, roughing the kicker or whatever it's actually was. It was hitting the kicker call a pretty harsh call on Jalen Ramsey, where also you could have called DK Metcalf the other way and negated the penalty. Like there is, there, there was so much in that game that had to go. And I'm not, this isn't me doing, I, I promise you, this isn't me doing a, Oh, they had the refs on their side run. <laughs> this is more of a, when you see teams win those tight games where they've maybe not been the better team, a lot has to go their way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think about like I always think about the the patriots falcons twenty eight three game in the super Bowl, and uh, Greg Rosenthal did a brilliant breakdown of that game where he was like, "Here are the eleven points after they went twenty eight three down where literally if it if the tiniest break of the ball had gone the other way." The Falcons are Super Bowl champions and everything broke the, the the Patriots way. And yeah, they were brilliant. And yes, they deserve the win. But like, that's how it felt last weekend. And I just don't think they're going to get that same rub of the green this weekend. So I am taking a 49ers win. <sighs> yeah, Saturday evening. It can't come soon enough. I'm so ready for it. I'm sure Nicholas is as well. Hit us up on a social at Gridiron, at UK Gridiron on Instagram. Uh, we'll be all over the game on Saturday, of course, <laughs> win, lose, all, or whatever. But uh, hopefully, it is a win. And, and Nicholas, I, I hope you enjoy the game on Saturday.
1: You too, sir. I, I say, I'm, I'm after some initial panic, and I've, I've got there. I think it's going to be a happy Saturday for us all. Another red and gold persuasion.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Uh, thank you so much for watching and listening, as always. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. This has been Tales from the Bay from Gridiron.